Section 85 of Greece and Rome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World's Story, Volume 4 Greece and Rome. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 85 Queen Zenobia and the Roman Ambassadors. 273 A.D. By William Ware. When the Romans were endeavoring to conquer the Parthians, they were aided by Odenitus, king of Palmyra, an oasis in the desert of Syria. He was rewarded by so many honors that he began to think himself great enough to establish a kingdom whose power should equal that of Rome in her palmiest days. At his death, his wife Zenobia attempted to carry out his plans, and took the title of Queen of the East. The Emperor Aurelian, mindful of the long-continued friendship between the two realms, at first only sent ambassadors to try to persuade her to limit her ambition to her own kingdom of Palmyra. The Editor Hardly were we arrived at the lawn in front of the palace when a cloud of dust was observed to rise in the direction of the road to Palmyra, as if caused by a body of horse in rapid movement. "'What may this mean?' said Zenobia. "'Orders were strict that our brief retirement should not be disturbed. This indicates an errand of some urgency.' "'Some embassy from abroad, perhaps,' said Julia, "'that cannot brook delay. "'It may be from your great brother at Rome.' "'While we, in a sportive humour, indulged in various conjectures, "'an official of the palace announced the approach of a Roman herald, "'who craved permission to address the Queen of Palmyra. "'He was ordered to advance. "'In a few moments,' Upon a horse, covered with dust and foam, appeared the Roman herald. Without one moment's hesitancy, he saw Zenobia, the queen, then, taking off his helmet, said that Caius Petronius and Cornelius Varro, ambassadors of Aurelian, were in waiting at the outer gates of the palace and asked a brief audience of the queen of Palmyra upon affairs of deepest interest, both to Zenobia and the Emperor. "'It is not our custom,' said Zenobia in reply. "'When seeking repose, as now, from the cares of state, to allow aught to break it. "'But we will not be selfish or churlish. "'Bid the servants of your Emperor draw near, and we will hear them.' I was not unwilling that the messengers of Aurelian should see Zenobia, just as she was now. Sitting upon her noble Arabian, and leaning upon her hunting-spear, her countenance glowing with a higher beauty than ever before, as it seemed to me, her head surmounted with the Parthian hunting-cap, from which drooped a single ostrich feather, springing from a diamond worth a nation's rental her costume also Parthian, and revealing in the most perfect manner 
the just proportions of her form. I thought I had never seen even her, when she so filled and satisfied the eye and the mind. And for that moment I was almost a traitor to Aurelian. Had Julia filled her seat, I should have been quite so. As it was, I could worship her who sat her steed with no less grace upon the left of the queen, without being guilty of that crime. On Zenobia's right were Longinus and Zabdus, Gracchus and the other noblemen of Palmyra. Fausta and I were near Julia. In this manner, just as we had come in from the chase, did we await the ambassadors of Aurelian. Announced by trumpets, and followed by their train, they soon wheeled into the lawn, and advanced toward the queen. Caius Petronius and Cornelius Varro, said Zenobia, first addressing the ambassadors, and moving toward them a few paces. We bid you heartily welcome to Palmyra. If we receive you thus without form, you must take the blame partly to yourselves, who have sought us with haste. We put by the customary observances, that we may cause you no delay. These whom you see are all friends or counsellors. Speak your errand without restraint. We come, replied Petronius, as you may surmise, great queen upon no pleasing errand. Yet we cannot but persuade ourselves that the Queen of Palmyra will listen to the proposals of Aurelian, and preserve the good understanding which has lasted so long between the West and the East. There have been brought already to your ears, if I have been rightly informed, rumours of dissatisfaction on the part of our Emperor with the affairs of the East, and of plans of an eastern expedition. It is my business now to say that these rumours have been well founded. I am further to say that the object at which Aurelian has aimed in the preparations he has made is not Persia, but Palmyra. He does us too much honour, said Zenobia, her colour rising and her eyes kindling. And what, may I ask, are specifically his demands and the price of peace? For a long series of years, said the ambassador, the wealth of Egypt and the East, as you are aware, flowed into the Roman treasury. That stream has been diverted to Palmyra. Egypt and Syria and Bithynia and Mesopotamia were dependents upon Rome and Roman provinces. It is needless to say what they are now. The Queen of Palmyra was once but the Queen of Palmyra. She is now Queen of Egypt and of the East. Augusta of the Roman Empire, her sons styled and arrayed as Caesars. By whatever consent of former emperors these honours have been won or permitted, it is not, we are required to say, with the consent of Aurelian. By whatever service in behalf of Rome they may, in the judgment of some, be thought to be deserved, in the judgment of Aurelian, the reward exceeds greatly the value of the service rendered. 
But, while he would not be deemed insensible to those services, and while he honours the greatness and the genius of Zenobia, he would, he conceives, be unfaithful to the interests of those who have raised him to his high office, if he did not require that in the East, as in the West, the Roman Empire should again be restored to the limits which bounded it in the reigns of the virtuous Antoninus. This he holds essential to his own honour, and the glory of the Roman world. "'You have delivered yourself, Caius Petronius,' replied the Queen in a calm and firm voice, "'as it became a Roman to do, with plainness, and as I must believe without reserve. So far I honour you. Now hear me.' And as you hear, so report to him who sent you. Tell Aurelian that what I am, I have made myself, and that the empire which hails me queen had been moulded into what it is by Odenitus and Zenobia. It is no gift, but an inheritance, a conquest and a possession. It is held not by favour, but by right of birth and power. And that when he will give away possessions or provinces which he claims as his or Rome's for the asking, I will give away Egypt and the Mediterranean coast. Tell him that as I have lived a queen, so the gods helping, I will die a queen. That the last moment of my reign and my life shall be the same. If he is ambitious, let him be told that I am ambitious too, ambitious of wider and yet wider empire, of an unsullied fame, and of my people's love. Tell him I do not speak of gratitude on the part of Rome, but that posterity will say that the power which stood between Rome and Persia and saved the empire in the east which avenged the death of Valerian and twice pursued the kings as far as the gates of Tessaphon, deserved some fairer acknowledgement than the message you now bring at the hands of a Roman emperor. Let the queen, quickly rejoined Petronius, but evidently moved by what he had heard. Let the queen fully take me. Aurelian purposes not to invade the fair region where I now am, and where my eyes are rejoiced by this goodly show of city, plain, and country. He hails you queen of Palmyra. He does but ask again those appendages of your greatness which have been torn from Rome and were once members of her body. Your emperor is gracious indeed replied the queen, smiling. If he may hew off my limbs, he will spare the trunk. And what were the trunk without the limbs? And is this, said Petronius, his voice significant of inward grief, that which I must carry back to Rome? Is there no hope of a better adjustment? Will not the Queen of Palmyra delay for a few days her final answer? added Varro. I see happily in her train a noble Roman, from whom, as well as from us, she may obtain 
all needed knowledge of both the character and purposes of Aurelian. We are at liberty to wait her pleasure. You have our thanks, Romans, for your courtesy, and we accept your offer, although in what I have said I think I have spoken the sense of my people. You have indeed, great queen, interrupted Zabdas with energy. Yet I owe it to my trusty counsellor, the great Longinus, continued the queen, who thinks not with me to look further into the reasons, which because they are his must be strong ones, by which he supports an opposite judgment. But those reasons have now, said the Greek, lost much or all of their force. Zabdas smiled triumphantly. Yet still I would advocate delay. Let it be so, then, said the queen. And in the meanwhile, let the ambassadors of Aurelian not refuse the hospitalities of the eastern queen. Our palace is yours, while it shall please you to remain. For the night and the morning, we accept your offers. Then, as strangers in this region, we would return to the city to see better than we have yet done the objects which it presents. It seemed to us on a hasty glance surrounded by its luxuriant plains, like the habitation of gods. We would dwell there a space. So saying, Zenobia, putting spurs to her horse, led the way to the palace, followed by a long train of Romans and Palmyrenes. The generous hospitality of the tables closed the day and wore away the night. The visit of the Roman ambassadors to Zenobia was fruitless, for the queen boldly refused to yield any of her territories or to give up her ambition. Then the Roman arms were sent against her, and Palmyra was burned. The queen herself was carried to Rome to grace the triumph of Aurelian. The Editor End of Section 85 This recording is in the public domain. Recording by The Story Girl